0: Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Greetings everybody and welcome to the latest episode from the Stargate Archives. This week we are going to look at a new recording, a new episode, Stargate SG-1 Enigma. We have of course covered it on the Gatecast, but this time we're going to do a general discussion and joining me tonight is Ian. How are you mate? Hello there. So we're a little pressed for time because Ian hasn't had his dinner, it's been a long long busy work day. <laughs> so forgive us, we're going to jump straight in. Enigma, first day, January January 30th 1998, written by Catherine Powers. Fans of Star Trek will know that name. She's written for DS9 and TNG. And she eventually did eight episodes of Stargate SG-1. The episode was directed by William Geraghty. This was one of his 12 episodes of the show. And we cut straight into uh, an alien landscape. Very purple alien landscape.
1: With a big glowy yellow
0: zit on its surface. Yes, the the set designers, I'm not quite sure they kind of got the idea. Of what There seemed to be some conflicts going on.
1: Yeah, I think it would have done better without the um without the foreground element. Just the ash on the surface would have looked much better.
0: Yeah, it looked like they went for kind of a big set piece, and they didn't quite pull it off.
1: No, it looks a bit original series, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the single tone. Normally it was uh, red or something on TOS. Uh, this is mm. purple. Uh, we've got some uh, flakes in the air. Obviously, the volcano in the background is spewing out ash. Doesn't look good. The gate activates and. We see the MALP is already there. Even before SG-1 emerged through the gate, you're thinking, well, the MALP jolly should have reported about that. was not a good place to visit. It's odd. <laughs> they walk through the gate and, you know, everybody seems puzzled. And, well, it wasn't like this when the MALP came through. So what have SG-1 been doing? Has <laughs> this literally happened in the last hour?
1: Yeah. You'd think that you, if you got the out there, you'd fire it up and just check everything just before you send them through as well. And it's been a while. Well,
0: yeah. That's sensible. You're going to have full telemetry from the probe as soon as you open the gate again. Yeah. And a bit of visuals thinking, oh, that looks a bit dodgy. Perhaps we need respirators or something. Ah, oh, no, let's go. At least Jack, he looks around. Right, we're off. Come on. But not Daniel. He's been looking around and he spotted something in the uh,
1: in the debris. Yeah, I think this might have been a budget episode, to be honest. The backdrop and everything all do look very sort of cheap. It may just be that it's early season, first thing. Before they got into their uh, success and heavy budget from MGM, <laughs> heavy budgets, yeah.
0: <laughs> Not many people would accuse *Stargate* of having, a, you know, a, a nice
1: big fat wallet to play around with. No, that is true. They certainly learned how to spend the money wisely. Yeah, that. If anything, that it really shows when you when you rewatch the earlier episodes and then see the difference. They find some bodies buried in the ash. A few of them are dead. A few of
0: them are alive. We get kind of a very. Interesting look at Sam as she's uh, tending to one of the wounded. Well, it's explained later in the series as angelic, and I think they got that message across. Kind of a halo of light behind her head.
1: Yeah. Daniel specifically mentions in this that it's uh, very similar to Pompeii. It's quite interesting.
0: Any community that's suffered a volcano, some of the the Philippines about, I can't remember now, there were a documentary about it and they were actually filming it. I think it was somewhere down the Philippines way, because we're a US naval base there. Oh. driving through the town and the ash coming down, literally thicker than any snow you'd ever seen. Really? Yeah. Windscreen wipers would go off, and before they came back, it was covered with ash again.
1: Oh. Got <laughs> to be a weird experience.
0: Close to a volcano. Uh, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, slightest burp out of it. I'm going.
1: It's slightest burp.
0: <laughs> Find one of the one of the aliens, conscious, and he looks up and he just says, don't help us. Okay, then. Yeah, I thought that was <laughs> weird. Strange, some sort of death
1: suicide cult. <laughs> suicide Squad yeah, pick some strange planets Yeah, when he said that the first time around I did wonder if it's maybe that there was like a deadly virus or something like that as well as the volcano that was going on It's actually much more interesting than that Yeah,
0: you could pretty much go anywhere with that line Yeah or anywhere. Right, we jump to the opening credits and when we return we're in the gate room uh, They're bringing survivors through the gate They've got funky futuristic spacesuits on
1: <laughs> Yeah, the costuming here is pretty shoddy <laughs>
0: Yeah, they didn't really go... You'd pretty much know that they went to some sort of wholesaler, studio, storage, and so what you got, that looks futuristic. On everything that's silver and everything that's white.
1: And we've got these from the 1950s, they'll do. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've got some Forbidden Planet costumes left behind somewhere. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Hammond's not
0: too pleased, I don't think. You know, he's not quite happy about this idea of all these people being brought back. We know, you know... At this point, they've got no decontamination, no serious protocols in place, and that comes back to bite them many, many times.
1: Yeah, there's a, um, quite a few bits in this episode that, that I'm reminded of seem a bit strange, especially after this, after we just had the Hathor episode not long ago. Yeah, they don't learn. No, they don't. <laughs> Certainly not quickly, anyway.
0: No. We jump to the briefing room, we learn that only 10 survivors made it through the gate, they don't really explain at this point how many people were on the planet or in the direct vicinity. We do learn a bit more when some of these people actually start talking eventually. They have some sort of high technology devices on their suits, so they're definitely not primitive. Of course, at this point, they ask the question that probably a lot of people are saying, well, if these are humans, how come they are so far advanced if they were seeded from Earth? And Daniel chimes in about the Dark Ages. Yeah, which is really interesting. <laughs> does make you wonder, doesn't it? Legitimate, you know, technological progress stopped dead for centuries. Yeah. Superstition, mythology, religion, they took hold, and only until the
1: Renaissance when things kicked back into gear. Like he says, you know, we could be colonising space right now, or we probably would be. Yeah. Which is really interesting. There was one thing I noticed about this. I couldn't put my finger on whether it was early Stargate or if it was something that was... I have seen it before in other episodes of Stargate. The very interesting opening to the scene where the camera pulls away from a glass, it's looking through the glass. It looked like the director of photography or the director himself was like, "Ah, oh, got a really nice artistic way to open the scene." I'm pretty sure I've seen that from later Stargate episodes as well. Especially Peter DeLuise, I think, did a lot of cool little shots like that.
0: Yeah, I think the onus always on the directors to come up with something new. You could only shoot yeah. the briefing room so many times before it got very, very repetitive.
1: Yeah, it just became exposition.
0: Right, we are in the infirmary talking to one of, well, I suppose at this point, the leader of these aliens, Omar. Who happens to be Jigsaw, by the way. Yes, Tobin Bell. If you ask anybody, even if you've only seen one of the movies, you know know who Tobin Bell is. Of course, a very, very long resume, including 24. And more recently, he was the voice of Savitar on The Flash. Ah, when you've got a voice that can do that level of acting, that much depth and character
1: to you, just a simple voice, you know you're always going to be employed. <laughs> yeah, he's suddenly appeared in a lot of places. I was surprised to see him in such an early episode of Stargate as well. You think Canadian production, it's obviously just getting off the ground. It maybe doesn't quite have the gravitas or the budget, but there he is, really famous actor, been on lots of things
0: there are benefits being made. The fact that this was made in the 90s. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Leave it a bit longer, getting someone like Tony Todd. Probably be a lot more expensive now for an episode of serialised TV. Back mm-hmm. then, you'd get these good actors who may have been you know, spending a few months up in Vancouver doing some work locally before going back to LA or other places. Let's fill their days up. Oh, Doesn't come across as a very nice bloke. He, has, he regards the humans of Earth as primitive, space as, uh, well, not very appealing, because they were going to be saved, the rescue ship was on the way. He pointed out that half the people were already dead.
1: Yeah, poor timing on their part.
0: They would have been very, very fortunate if the rescue ship had arrived and actually found anybody alive.
1: Yeah, they didn't exactly excel at that, did they? No. If we're primitive. But he's, he's setting up this
0: character already. Uh, we've not really met anybody else from his group, and he's very, very hardline, very, you'd say, arrogant, but of course we don't know the whole story yet.
1: Yeah. Teok's Teal- stoic look to a... <laughs> it, it makes Teok look positively
0: jolly. Yeah. Hammond outside in the corridor, he, he wants them gone. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to stick them around.
1: Yeah, he tries to tell Omak that, that they have a common enemy in the gold, and um, yeah. points out, yeah, that the guy recognises Teok as a Jafar. And they're like, ah, oh, brilliant. <laughs> then he quickly points out that they don't have anything to do with the gold and they stay out of everything and they're neutral. They have nothing to do with them. They're not
0: you know, aggressive towards them. They're not defensive. They're just nothing. Yeah. Which says a lot about their race. The only reason the gold leave you alone is if they're scared of
1: you. Yes. Yeah, that's true.
0: Right. We go to the gate room and they've got a UAV. And Sam is working on it. Sam. Nobody else in the base is equipped to put heat sensors onto a UAV.
1: Yeah, I know, I wondered that. This must be pre-Sergeant Siler. Yeah, (laughs) heat sensors in a very humid, hot climate.
0: I'm not sure they'd work. Yep, it's hot. (laughs) They'd have to be incredibly sensitive to detect humanoid life form in this sort of environment. Yeah, they're going to get pretty washed out, right? I'd imagine that so much volcanic ash in the air, the air intakes
1: of the engines are going to be clogged within minutes. Mm-hmm. you're throwing away a very expensive piece of kit. In this scene, Daniel says she's been requested specifically by members of the race. Yes. And um, wing, wing. that same member gave her a interesting look when they left the infirmary previously. Yes, yeah, so he, he definitely uh, remembers the person that brushed ash off his face. Mm-hmm. He introduces himself as uh, Nareem.
0: Galwyn Sanford. Pretty good actor. you see him in a lot of things. Three appearances in SG-1 and then also goes on to uh, play Simon Wallace on Atlantis. Been in Supernatural, Eureka, Cedar Cove.
1: Final Conflict and First
0: Wave as well. Well, that's going back a bit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He does get about in the Stargate franchise.
0: Probably indicates that the producers actually like the guy. Yeah. Got on record that, you know, if if we don't get on with somebody or they give us any trouble, don't get us back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Right. Somewhere on the mountain, there's a little little shack which is going to be ingress or egress to the base, the secret, where the ladder goes, basically, at this point. <laughs> nice sunny day as well.
1: Yeah, and this was one of the bits that made me really confused, because they just say, oh, maybe we could just show you around the surface. I know. And Hammond's like, oh, what an excellent idea. We haven't had any problems with people randomly coming into the base and trying to kill everybody or anything recently. That's, that's fine. The Oxen background thinking, I had to wait three months before I got off base. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, we just pop out. Yeah, and of course, under nice, bright sunshine,
1: his outfit looks even worse. Yes, it's, it does look pretty bad. It really, uh, it just looks like a space blanket wrapped up with duct tape. <laughs> yeah. Very different to Omok,
0: obviously very different personalities, probably different levels of responsibility within the group. He's glad to be alive, he's thankful they saved him. Then we get it's either the smoothest pickup line, or he's been totally genuine when he describes that his people in their mythology had this idea that, at the point of death, be visited by, don't ask me to actually repeat what he called them, because I couldn't pronounce it anyway, an angelic form come to take the soul to heaven. Sam points out that some of their people still believe those things, which kind of underlines <laughs> Omar's point about these earth beings being primitive.
1: Yeah, his, um, the shaman or something like that, he says they are called... Something like that. Move operator. He seems naturally curious as well about everything, which is really cool. He's laying it on thick right from the start. I'll give him that. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he hears a
0: screech. He looks up and we can get a bit of stock footage of an eagle. He's surprised. Uh, Sam
1: points out, oh, it's, it's a bird. And he points out, well, we don't have any animals in our world. Okay. Yeah, well, specifically flying animals as well. He's really shocked by the fact that it's a flying animal. It makes you wonder, is the world... Just one big city. Have they done away
0: with all animal life, even wild vegetation? Is it all hydroponics? Is it some other sort of food? Are these people... I'm not sure. I would not to even see their world, because it doesn't sound too nice. No, it doesn't. It kind of underlines where Omak is, and the character is shaped by his environment, and he's very cold, he's very sterile, whereas Nareem is a lot more open to wonder.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, it. Yeah, that sums it up really well. Sam says she'll get him some pictures of our animals because they have millions on the planet. He says how he'd love that, but he'd probably best that Omak doesn't find out. <laughs> Only pictures of animals. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. yeah, well, <laughs> he has opinions. The reason that they Omak's so grumpy, we still don't know what it
0: is. When Nareem looks around and looks at the gods again and thought, right, we be- we better go back now. So he's considerate, you know, he's not pushing it at this point.
1: Nice touch having the uh, jeeps on the top of the mountain there as well, by the way.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how they got there. Because you get (laughs) the impression
1: it is kind of just that little shack in the middle of nowhere.
0: Yeah, it
1: must lead to somewhere, otherwise why would it be there? But not a small endeavour to put that in, I imagine.
0: Go to the gate room, the UAV is ready for launch. Yeah, Walter's voice, he's in the control room. Engine starts up, extra rockets shoot the plane through the iris, and off it goes. 1700 Fahrenheit, which is rather warm. (laughs) Yeah, a little toasty. Lots of ash, lots of sulfur, volcanic eruptions, more stock footage of lava that really does stand out as being bad. <laughs> good to think of it, looking at, you remember Stargate Universe, when they did the lava scene, that wasn't too good either. Yeah, that's true. Pretty difficult
1: yeah. to get that kind of effect looking uh, spot on, I think.
0: So the lava is nearing the gate,
1: no chance of going back. The people mm-hmm. up to you know, they're stuck here for now. Yeah, and we find out the gate is likely to be buried within a couple of days thanks to some very quick, accurate predicting from the uh, computer there.
0: <laughs> Back in the infirmary, we learned that most of the inhabitants were evacuated through the gate, and this group were left behind to do what was necessary, you know, seal the gate, make sure nobody could follow them, and then they were going to be picked up by the rescue ship. You get the feeling that they're paranoid beyond belief, and you want, is there more to this story? It sounds not that they were just escaping from their world, that they were fleeing their world. Not just because of the environment.
1: Yeah, leaving it behind. And then we find out that the new world that they're going to is outside of the gate system, and that they need a ship to get there. And then we get a very awkward few looks between all the team, and they say, yeah, we don't have any ships. Never mind about that. (laughs) (laughs) Primitive. What did I say? (laughs) Almost rolls his eyes.
0: (laughs) I wonder if Ball learned about the Tolan. You know, the idea of uh, building a separate gate system.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, because if if you've got, they gated to the world and kind of took it out of the system, it makes you wonder the level of intelligence they had, how the gates worked. Of course, in a future episode, we learn that they had quite a bit of knowledge about how the gates worked.
1: (laughs) Yes, and everything else you could imagine.
0: Yeah. These people would be very good allies, but fortunately, you're not going to get anything out of Omok. No. In fact, at this point, they are calling in refugees, you know, they're not survivors, they are refugees. Their world has been destroyed, they've got nowhere to go. Of course, at this point, they said, well, you know, let's start calling in some of our markers, we've helped people out. Get them off world to some place better for them. Meanwhile, set them up into level 5C, get one of the barracks, put some beds in it, some uh, dividers, make them a little bit more hospitable. Even the general says, "Well, well, we'll return the devices to you. Mum got a clue what they do, and we tried to figure it out. So, oh man, not impressed again.
1: <laughs> no, his exact wording is not really in an act of good faith. You tried to figure it out, you couldn't, then you gave it to us back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, then we get Sam up here, coming to Nareem, with a pile of book in her hand, and what looks to be a cat carrier that she's carrying. Nareem is struggling to work out how to use clothing. <laughs> Their space gear is apparently their normal clothing and they adjust to their temperature and everything, so he doesn't know what to do with all this weird cotton stuff.
0: I know, It's even the idea of blankets and such forth, you know, oh no, our beds mould to our bodies and everything, you know, it's primitive, what can you say? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We don't wear socks either. (laughs) (laughs) Given the books, pity, you know, again, this shows Stargate's age. Nowadays, you just give them a tablet with a million pictures on it or access to, you know, the net, Exactly the same thing went
1: through my head. You wouldn't just give him a book of cat pictures. I thought that. She's like, no, we're not that primitive. Here, have some dead trees. (laughs) He knew exactly what to do with it as well, which I actually thought was a bit odd. Probably seen something like that in a museum.
0: (laughs) And this is where Sam does a Schrodinger's joke. Yeah, I really like that. It falls a bit flat until she actually explains the more of the technical terms of the experiment, or not the actual experiment because it wasn't done, but the theory behind it. And, of course, oh, yeah, I know that. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, you've solved quantum physics. Yeah, that's all false anyway. That do not work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Many other sciences that turned out <laughs> yeah. to be wrong. Oh. Oh, Mark, you're primitive. Nareem, you're primitive, but in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> He's not judging anybody from Earth based on their knowledge because he's looking beyond that. Omar is looking at the technical expertise, making a simple assessment. This level we can talk to you. This level we can't. Nareem, much more friendly, much more interested in Sam.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, these more shades of grey. It's not, it's not quite so clear cut as you cannot know anything.
0: Well, I think he's looking more at the bigger picture. You know, if, if they can't leave, then we've got to make a life here. Yeah. Omok. <laughs> Omok is not a cat person. I figured that out pretty quickly.
1: <laughs>
0: he showed no surprise at an animal. Nope.
1: Yeah, Nothing. I know. That's um, <laughs> that's interesting, isn't it? It means that he's either really old and has seen animals before, or he genuinely just couldn't care less. <laughs> a primitive's pet. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, Omok appears. And Nareem and Sam stop talking about quantum physics. Nareem says, uh, I didn't tell her anything. It's it's all good.
0: You're left with, okay. Oh, there's more going on.
1: Exactly. And then we're back in the briefing room once again. No, before then we find out that the team have disappeared. The uh, airman comes in saying, oh, they've disappeared, they've vanished. Yeah, we don't know where they went. Not only have they vanished, but they don't know how.
0: Not claiming they just kind of disappeared in a puff of smoke. One minute they were in level five C, next minute they're not there. We go out into the woods, nice dark wooded scene, dogs and guys running around, armed. Not a very friendly way to track somebody down, which kind of as Omok points out. So prisoners, yeah, points out that they just wanted to look at the stars. Yeah, which, be honest, you've got to be suspicious of. Yeah, possibly. You're up to something, but Omok is telling the truth. Of course, yeah. he doesn't have that level of. Diplomacy to explain it in a way that would ease the fears of the people who are looking after them. <laughs> no, no, he likes to keep a secret. He doesn't care what the members of SGC think at all. Say so he's not even willing to lie to make them feel better. <laughs> no, exactly. And we learned that the surveillance cameras were disrupted for a while, where the people vanished. Convenient. Yes, yeah, so they're going to be get the recordings and enhance them, and see what that brings out. <laughs> This is where Gerard Plunkett returns as Tuplo. It was a nice speech. He offers friendship to uh, survivors of the planet. Remarks that any friends of the SGC are friends of theirs. Omok stands up, slaps him in the face, puts the boot in,
1: <laughs> goes back to sit down. He sits there like a petulant child for two minutes listening to his speech and then.
0: You know, a salesman's on the phone wanting to sell you life insurance and you, you listen <laughs> listen. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Pretty much just hang up. You feel sorry for Tuplo, he's come all this way, gone to another world. Granted, he hasn't seen much at this point, but offers a hand of friendship. What ours is yours, you know, but no. And he gets refused, and not even in a polite manner. Just unacceptable. Omar has got some very high standards. It's amazing that he even speaks Tuplo, (laughs) guy. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe we share the same language. (laughs) Back in 5C, Nareem's got the cat again. This is where we learn some of the history of Talan. Not just a planet, but a uh, companion planet in their solar system, Sarita. Slightly more primitive species. Interesting that you can have two, well, at least one of them, native to that solar system. This is where the Dark Ages thing could come in, right? You've got to assume, though, the way they were talking, the people in Sarita evolved on that world in this solar system, whereas Talan was settled by one of the gold. Yeah, that's true. Either way, these people moved on. The Tolan made friends with them gave them some sort of uh, energy supply device, fusion reactor perhaps, something like that, solve all your problems, clean energy, unlimited energy. The idea is if you've got unlimited energy, that solves so many, allows you to solve so many problems unless you turn it into a weapon. Yeah.
1: And as soon as he mentions that, Sam has a look on her face. Oh, uh, yeah. As if to say, ah, <laughs> yeah, that is probably what we do.
0: And I, I like the way you described it in one solar rotation they mm. destroy themselves. In one day, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was so bad, it actually shifted our orbit. Yeah, I know. That's interesting, isn't it? So, A, did the planet explode and it changed the gravitational forces on the solar system? Was it very
1: close anyway? And the shock wave disrupted the orbit? Not quite sure. Either way, ouch. Yeah. Puts you in mind of something that later happens with Sam, quite famously. <laughs> yeah. Nareem, again, is, is honest. He explains that when
0: they're outside on the, the mountain, they were doing some triangulation with the stars, trying to figure out where the new world was, realising it was a long, long way away. I'm not sure how, but the very advanced will give it to him, I suppose. Yeah.
1: I'm going to say, at this point, he also really, really likes the cat. <laughs> Omak actually says explicitly in this in that scene that going out onto the surface was a test to see how they would react. And they reacted with fear and violence. And that interpretation. Yeah.
0: If one or two people went out, five or ten people went out unarmed. At least you'd be you're making the statement. But although, to be honest, what did Omar expect? Well, that's the problem. That's exactly what he expected. <laughs> he, he didn't give him a chance. So he knew. I suppose you could argue that everything he's doing makes sense from his point of view. Mm-hmm. It would be simpler if they just left him, to, left him to die. Everybody would be happy.
1: Nareem wouldn't have been. So uh, the next scene, I assume Walter managed to clean up the video feed with some freeze and enhance. We get to see them walk through the wall and escape. Yeah, that is a nice technology. Yeah. We've seen that level of
0: technology in Fringe and in Spider-Man Homecoming as well. Yeah, but they don't
1: fall through the floor. They never fall through the floor. <laughs> They've got much finer control over it. Yeah, that's true. They wouldn't be wearing it if uh, if they fell through the floor. It would need more development time.
0: <laughs> Gotta admire the technology level, though. You know, all that in that one little box. Mm. The energy requirement as well.
1: And it also plays Tetris.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, basically the response is cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Jack says that exact word.
0: <laughs> and, of course, this is where we finally meet Colonel Mayborn. Yes, excellent. Who would have known that he would become a fan favourite? Tom McBeath stealing the scene. Yeah, he is excellent. Yeah, so he says, oh, well, what happened to Kennedy? He's been promoted. No. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> right from the start, Jack knows he's met his match. Mayborn probably at this point thinks, oh, I've got your number. I'm not worried about you.
1: Many classic episodes ahead of him. Yeah. Also, it's worth noting that despite the enormous resume of Tom McBeath, his cover photo on IMDb is from Stargate.
0: Is it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. The episode, It's Good to Be
0: King. Oh, right. With the all the furs. Yeah. A lot of actors don't do
1: that themselves. They pay the the agents to do them, but maybe that picture he like. Yeah. I hope so. He does have a big smile on his face. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we find out that he's a slimeball. Oh, yes. NID he's come to take the tolling away. They argue,
0: oh, they're refugees, they've got rights. No, they haven't. They're not humans. They're not Americans. There's no due process, basically a big hole in the ground where we can
1: keep him. He pretty much is treating them like a piece of technology themselves.
0: Yeah, I think he also really gets under Hammond's skin, because at this point Hammond just kind of pulls a quarantine angle out of the bag, which he knows is a lie. (laughs) Yeah. I think if Maybourne had been more reasonable, you know, not tried to force his way to what he wanted, then Hammond might not have put up so much of a fight.
1: Yeah, he has no respect for the chain of command.
0: Hammond goes up to him and says, "That's an order, not you know, not a suggestion, not a, <laughs> not a request, an order, Colonel." <laughs> yeah, just to emphasise the point, rank as well. And that's when Maybourne realises uh, maybe he stepped a little too far. Yeah, they point out just for the viewers' sake that you know, Janet has already given him all a clean bill of health. Sneaky, sneaky, General Hammond. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> In fact, Jack says that. <laughs> yeah. We jump back to 5C. Nareem pretty much indicates that
1: no point asking for asylum because it's going to be pointless because he hasn't got any rights. Sam says different division of their government that's trying to make all this happen. and They want to resettle them if they can, but they have to do it quickly or do something because otherwise the government is going to cause problems. And Nareem says it's happening again.
0: He's smart enough to know that there's, there's no way out. They... Mayborn, even if he believes everything he's seen and the SGC, he knows the military mind. The You compare Omark to uh, Nareem, you know, the different approaches to the same problem. Huh. He knows that once these people take him, that's it, game's over. We get Daniel and Jack with Mayborn going about the presidential orders. They'll have a nice community in the Rockies. Yeah. Yeah, so somewhere well out of the way, you know, no spy satellites, so we're looking down on the Rockies, so there's nothing there. Daniel is upset because he voted for the president. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah.
0: He understands the military mindset and the NID approach to it. He just doesn't... He's surprised that the president went along with it.
1: Harry says how they need to be protected and everything. Maybe one night. Nice. Daniel says, oh, nice, forced intellectual labour. They'll
0: be treated better than anybody
1: else. Yeah. No, no matter what, they can
0: have great accommodation, great food, but there'll still be prisoners, there'll still be a war, there'll still be armed guards. And for people that don't want to build weapons that are going to be used to kill and maim others. That's all they will be doing. I don't think they'll be asked to build
1: imaging devices for new MRIs or anything like that. No, they're going to have a very specific mindset of what they want them to do. And then Hammond says to Jack to do whatever he can to make sure that that man does not get hold of those people.
0: (laughs) Uh, God bless the general.
1: Yeah. And then we cut the top of the mountain again to what looks like exactly the same exit. No, I've no idea, but I'm pretty sure they shot these scenes back-to-back, because why would you go on a
0: location shoot, not make the most of it, get it all yeah. filmed in one go?
1: Get a couple of Jeeps parked in there and everything. Yeah.
0: I'm not sure the idea that Daniel can't be caught, marshaled, is protection.
1: Yeah, especially from the kind of person that Mayborn is. Most of
0: Daniel's peers haven't heard from him for a long time, and those that have, consider him a kook anyway. Mm. So if he vanished, oh, he went to Egypt on a dig. Nobody's seen him since. Okay.
1: No one would think anything of it.
0: No, they wouldn't. They may not put you in front of a military tribunal, but they would do something. They'd clean out your apartment, pay your bills, they'd have it down to perfection. The NID
1: are just as devious and uh, Machiavellian as CIA are. I know. (laughs) But they did come up with some sort of plan, or at least the idea to have a plan. And then we go back to 5C again. We get told by Omar, who's still not smiling in the least, (laughs) that their man, Mayborn has been there trying to convince them to take tests and things. Yes, Daniel has to then convince him again. That's just another division of their government they don't agree with.
0: Yes, really not going to work. But of course, Omar is at least
1: listening now. Yeah, I think he sees that his options are limited.
0: If he escaped this GC, where would they go? There's no way off the planet. They could run for a while, but they're not familiar with this primitive world. Of course, this point is where Daniel says, well, you know, we can't send you anywhere where you consider primitive, but we've met somebody who are your equal, if not superior, and they're known as the Nox. Yeah, the Nox. Why can't you just, you know, gate there? Well... You see, they think we're a little... You know, like you do, but in a nice way. <laughs> you know, we're a little young. So yep. when we visited them and we left, they sealed their gate. I can imagine Omar nodding approvingly off camera. <laughs>
1: why? Yeah, he, he does start to sort of... His veneer of grumpiness starts cracking slowly now.
0: And of course, Daniel says, Oh, yeah, yeah you, you need to go outside, but I've got to go with you. Gives Omar a bit of pause. I don't know why, really. I don't think Daniel could learn anything about the technology just by
1: using it. I think he was wondering if there's any way it could possibly be a trap. Could be his thought. I'm not sure how. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but he doesn't pause for too long. No. And then he asks Daniel to take his hand.
0: (laughs) Daniel's like, "Uh, wait, what? How sweet.
1: Well, I'm not going to give you one.
0: I'll show you how to use it. Come on, be serious. So they kind of phase through the walls and leave the building and they're
1: outside now. I wish they hadn't actually spent so much money on the effects and have it. Did just see the, the wall bend? Yeah, the wall warping is, uh, is not very good. It doesn't seem uh, sensible in a, from a scientific point of view.
0: You didn't really need to see it. Either they just walked through it as if they were ghosts, or, you know, as you saw on the security camera footage, the quality was that poor. They didn't really have to do anything. Yeah. Bit of light, bit of haze, job done. There are times when special effects are not needed. Some things can be done off
1: camera. Just with the sound yeah, effect yeah. exactly and the fact that the wall warping just makes no sense they're supposed to be out of phase with with the wall why would they affect the wall yeah stupid
0: so they get outside get into a little clearing Omok takes a device
1: down very small puts it on the ground can i just say out of 10 seasons of Stargate SG one this is one of the scenes that i always remember oh yeah yeah just because it's one of those just like the you're the fifth ray scene a moment where someone takes time to explain something but it's not done in a special effects way or fast-paced way. It's just a quiet moment between two characters on screen.
0: Further's the plot. You've seen this little device shoot this beam of light straight into the sky and just vanish. And Daniel, oh, I I know this. It's a laser, isn't it? (laughs) And he he goes, blah, 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 blah. No.
1: Yeah, isn't isn't that going to take millions of years to get there?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so then he gets his twig and does his folding space. Well, that's the point. Not folding space, yeah. Omok,
1: oh, I think he has got a sense of humour. Yeah, yeah, holds out the stick and says that the distance between this end of the stick and this end of the stick is very far, but if you do this and bends it together, then the distance is much shorter. And then, yeah, Daniel says that folding space line and he just gets a look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> My guess is that the technology and the theory behind
0: it is way too complex to explain And just folding the stick. You know, the piece of paper, it works. Yeah, it's a good scene, I like that. Right back with Nareem. He's come to say goodbye. He, he walks through the wall, straight to the control room.
1: Yeah, this was another annoying thing. I don't know why this bothered me so much. This was just as annoying as the wall. His voice carried through the, the wall for some reason before he appeared.
0: As if by magic.
1: Yeah. He looks around and then he comes through the wall. And you get the wobbly wall effect again. Stupid wall. This whole scene,
0: for me, is stupid. The emotion yeah. recorder. I mean, what are these people? Are Are they so... Almost Vulcan to the power of 10. You know, we don't express emotion. We've got no animals, but we can record our emotions and give them to somebody we care about, who then can experience those emotions. This is just their version of a GoPro. (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't start playback and then open your eyes and slap him. Because I'm pretty sure I know what what he was thinking at times.
1: (laughs) Purely platonic. Mike, you have such a filthy mind. It's just all about love.
0: (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) And, and he says, oh, we, we've we got this custom. And I'm thinking, anything could happen here. Yeah. <laughs> anything could happen here. Yeah. This is what we do to show our fiction. Uh, yeah, we do that, but on the second date. Yeah. Or maybe the third. Or maybe I, after we're married, even. I actually do. <laughs> to spice things up. <laughs> Thankfully, it was just kissing. So, oh, yeah, we're, we're good with that. That works. We
1: also have that custom. Until, of course, Daniel walks in whoops yeah. oh yeah that was so brilliant Laura and I watched that last night and uh, yeah the moment he walks in we both laughed out loud it was so good whoops I suppose it's the nice touch like Sam
0: who's getting it on with the alien you probably well alien yes he is he's human he's alien oh not Daniel or Jack not Daniel or Jack yeah <laughs> quite keep the cat <laughs> not quite the same but okay what does he eat and uh, we don't have kitty litter <laughs> I don't think Joding is going to be very happy.
1: Whose cat no. is it? Was it? Sam's cat. Yeah, I think it must have been Sam's cat. Unless it was like a lab cat or something they kept. Right in a box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: He's got a few days freedom. Now he's going off world. She actually opened five boxes
1: before she got to one where the cat lived. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh, there's a good one. Yeah, that'll do it. Right, so...
0: Ah, uh, Mayborn again. Uh, the refugees, they are gone. Poof. Yeah.
1: I love that, yeah. What do you mean they've disappeared? Like, poof, sir. <laughs> and then she says that, that they walked straight through her. Yeah, why don't you stop them. Well, God, they walked straight through me.
0: <laughs> what am I going to do about that? Yeah. Mayborn, not very happy at all. off activation. They get rushed to the control room. They raise the blast doors. Daniel's there with the ten survivors of Talaan. Mayborn, not very happy, keeps saying it, but he ain't very happy. And Daniel just just turns to the window and, well, <laughs> <laughs> you got the feeling that he wanted to make a
1: more interesting gesture. <laughs> but ratings wouldn't allow it. Yeah. yeah, he restrained himself. Can I just say, I really like Walter's little remark, the mainframe's having a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he gets put in charge, things break. Yeah, they do. That's brilliant. Yeah, so that's it,
0: because the, the Irish, oh, the Irish failing, you know, so... Uh, Can't shut down the gate, the Irish doesn't work, what's going on, Mayborn, they're escaping, stop it, and then they point out, somebody's dialing in. Yeah, wherever you send them, we'll hunt them down. (laughs) Yeah, you've not quite read the reports of how this works, have you, Mayborn? (laughs) And of course,
1: through the gate, walks Liar. Yeah, big old smile on her face. Hello, <laughs> Daniel. Yeah, <laughs> there's a brilliant little like second long clip where Jack looks on smiling through the glass and then Sam just looks up at Jack smiling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Jack liked the knocks eventually once he understood what they were on about. Yeah, may not enjoyed being called young, but he got it.
1: Yeah, he understands their uh, philosophies and and I think there's a lot of respect for it. I wouldn't put money on it, but I'm sure that cat is stuffed. Oh, well now I'm going to have to check. I was looking at the cat, and I'm thinking it's not
0: moving. It's solid. I'm sure that's a stuffed cat. <laughs> In the next scene, it's alive. It's moving because it, it looks up. But I was spending too much time watching Nareem stroke the cat. That's because it's stroding his cat. It's both alive and dead. <laughs> yeah, you don't know until you stroke it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> suppose, then it's alive. Right. Mayborn is seriously, seriously losing it at this point.
1: Yes, he is. Also, the cat is definitely alive. I've just checked.
0: <laughs> yeah, the next scene, the cat's moving. It may have been just really, really, really tired.
1: <laughs> or asleep. It could have been asleep. Disgruntled because they've refilmed this scene four times already. <laughs> He's not getting paid any extra. Lyra, of course, is offering sanctuary
0: to the Tolan. Hmm. Do they not have ships? Well,
1: I remember they have a pretty funky-looking city and stuff.
0: Yeah, I imagine if they needed a ship, they could build one. Yeah. Either way, this race are so far advanced, they don't need anything for the Talan. And that's what Omar's been looking for all along. Somebody that there is no risk of contaminating quite the reverse. If the Nox were more
1: belligerent, he might be in trouble. Yeah, I'm pretty sure someone at one point in this episode does say when they say about the Nox, it's like, they might be more powerful than you. (laughs) Yeah, pretty sure they are, to be honest.
0: You don't become one one of the members of the four races that control the galaxy without being quite
1: smart. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't see more of them, really. There would have been a lot of potential there for extra storylines. Yeah. We only saw them a few times.
0: So, Maborn is ordering the guards in the gate room to raise their weapons. He even goes to the point that, start leaving, you know, Liar. Oh, God, no, she, she's not happy, you know. Maborn, shoot him. I'm thinking, what? Yeah. Worst case scenario, you're no better off than you were before. <laughs> well, no, best case, really. Worst case, you seriously piss off a very powerful alien. Yeah. Who's in your gate room, who waves a hand, and the talon disappear, and the guns disappear, and you're having a mental breakdown.
1: <laughs> should have been reported, and you should have been relieved. Yeah. She comes up with a really good point here. She says your race has learned nothing, but you have, and she looks at Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, yeah. Daniel looks smug for a second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet, but this is after ascension. Yes. He's taking the first steps. <laughs> <laughs> Just before they leave, Omak taps Daniel on the shoulder and says, perhaps in time we'll meet again. Nareem and Sam share a look. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately we, we never meet Omak again, but Nareem, he has. Yeah.
0: And Jack goes up to Daniel. You did good. I always like to see Jack praise Daniel, acknowledging the fact that his world has expanded so much that he can praise an intellectual, an archaeologist a member of his team, not just because of his military prowess. Yeah. And you wouldn't have thought of that back in the movie days.
1: No, that was O'Neill with one L. He had no sense of humour. No, <laughs> he does have a very happy look. And that was Enigma. It was. I had a few dodgy moments, mostly around special effects.
0: Yes, it has to be said. Two very good, very different performances from Tobin Bell and Garwin Sanford. Equally good though. Served the story very, very well. Uh, nice to see Sam, the focal point, as well. Yeah. It won't be the first time. She's attracted to aliens, and it doesn't always work out very well.
1: <laughs> that was like the curse of Sam. <laughs> Works of aliens and humans. and But she keeps trying. That's the point. Exactly. Yeah, that was great. I enjoyed that. I was pretty happy watching that. Yesterday, we watched it again, and Laura said, oh, I'll put it on, and I'll, uh, I'm going to play on my phone while it's on, because I've seen that episode so many times. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. And uh, we both ended up just glued to the screen watching it. Good. It was good. It was a good episode.
0: Okay then, folks. Like I said, that was Enigma. Next week, we're going to be looking at Solitudes. Ooh. That was recorded a long time ago. <laughs> so, that is in the can. I will edit that and get that released soon. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at StargateArchives.com Email is StargateArchives at gmail.com Twitter uh, at TheGateCast. We are also on Facebook and Google+. If you want to leave us an iTunes review or Apple that the name nowadays, feel free. We lost all the reviews for the Gatecast when we changed hosts. I had to redo the RSS feed. Twice we've lost all our reviews. Not ideal. do not really matter now, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Although I did get asked yesterday on Twitter if I could supply the RSS feed for all 390 episodes, iTunes only supplies the last 10 episodes or so. Yeah. we got it working on, you know, iPhone 8, and the new Apple Podcast app.
1: Nice. Listen to
0: the old back catalogue as well. I'm more a fan of Robert Carlisle. Ah. Yeah, Robert Carlisle is amazing in that. Ian, thank you very much for joining me and taking the time out of your busy evening. Uh, you want to get something to eat now, don't you? Yeah, I'm starving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, thank you very much for joining me as always. That's okay, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, then.
0: You want to give any of your information?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm Ian Nebbiolo. Used to be Ian Istead, got married recently. At Mr. Nebbi on Twitter now, so it's N E B B I, Mr. Nebbi. Okay. Uh, don't tweet enough, but I probably should. Happy to be on the show again, I think. Looking forward to the next episode.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, join us uh, next time for Solitudes. But until then, I've been Mike. And I've been Ian. Take care. Bye-bye. See you later.